So we're talking about let the Lord build your future. What a concept that is, that we're going to uh, let the Lord build our future. We're not going to try to do it in our own selves. You know how we try to do it in our own selves? You know, self-made man, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to find out what I'm going to do, I'm going to make something out of myself. And God says, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you trying to do here? besides get over the piano (laughs) the guitar Uh, what are you trying to do here why don't you find out what I've called you to do then get in line with that and that way it'll be an ease to you you won't have to struggle as much because I've already ordained it and I'm going to help you through it can I get an amen? amen so I want to introduce a thought to you that God wants to build your future God's a builder and he talks in building terms did you know that? He told Peter, upon this rock, I will what? Build my church. He's a builder. He wants to build. He, uh, he, he, he talks about line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So God wants to build. He said, he is a sure foundation, right? Say, say God, is a builder. God is a builder. And he wants to build something in me. Now, let's look at the future. Does he know the future? Yes. Does he know what's going to happen? Yes. Does he know what's going to happen to you? Yes. He knows, he, the Bible says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He knows the end before the beginning. Amen. If we could say it in our, our, our lingo, he's already seen that movie. <laughs> he already knows what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be, how it's going to end up. And his job is to get you in line so that you can follow the pattern and the plan that he has for you. But I know some of us are a little stiff-necked, hard-headed, take the wrong way, go detours, find places that we shouldn't be, and then we've got to scratch our way back. But God says, don't worry about it. I'm using those things to get you to the place where I want you to be. He's not scratching his head and saying, oh, no, look at Abraham. He told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Past tense. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to try to. I have made you a father of many nations. Did that work out so good for Abraham? Well, uh, he, 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 took, he hesitated before he even uh, left his father's house. He had to wait till his father died. He lied to Pharaoh about Sarah being his sister. Uh, Sarah laughed when God said you were going to have a baby. Uh, He tried to do it in his own strength by getting Sarah's handmaiden pregnant, saying, well, you know, Sarah, it's not working out with Sarah. I'll just try her handmaiden. Actually, it was Sarah's idea. He didn't object to it. (laughs) Should have said, no, honey, I'm not going to do that. I'm sticking with you. I'm going with you all the way, right? But what happened? It produced an Ishmael. You know what an Ishmael is? It's something that you try to do in your own self and negating the promise of God or trying to do it without his help. God said, I didn't want you to go into Sarah's handmaiden. Sarah is the woman of promise. But we have Ishmaels. Do you know that? Have you had any Ishmael? A job's presented to you. You think, okay, this must be a good job. I think it's not quite right, but I'll try to make it fit, you know? Not in the area that I want, not the job I really want to, but it's the only job I have. It's a, it's a precursor to what God's promise is for you. How about a house? You want to buy a house, and you say, well, this is not the right neighborhood, not exactly. It's kind of far away, away from my church where I'm supposed to be, uh, but I can make it fit. Or, or how about a, a boyfriend or girlfriend you're dating? Not exactly the right fit. You know, he doesn't really go to church all that much. 
doesn't read his Bible, but he looks good. We can make it work out, Lord. No, that's an Ishmael. It's a distraction. It's a precursor to the real promise that God has for you. Anybody out there have any, object, any, any uh, obstacles or things that you had to go through and around to get to where God has promised you? Let's look at this uh, scripture here. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. See, these, these, this is a building term. I know the plans, the blueprints, right? You ever, you ever look at blueprints? You have, right? But I look at them, I don't know what they're saying. Like, for instance, I got these blueprints right here. Just happen to have some blueprints right here. I got all these papers. Look at this. Do you know what that's going to be? Okay, you're ruining the whole thing here because we have somebody here that actually is part of the skit. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> Sean, what, what, what in the world is this right here? These are blueprints. Yeah, yeah that's what they says right here, blueprints, okay? Right? Yeah. This is going to show us how to build a house. All I see are lines and electrical outlets and squiggles, boxes. Someone to help translate this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, it's going to be a house. You just have to translate This is going to be a house. It's going to be a house. Let me see. Let me show the people this. Does this look like a house to you? I don't see no sink. <laughs> Looks like a park. It's just a little sketch. It's a blue. But you're telling me. I'm telling you. If I follow these plans, mm -hmm. that I'll have a house. That's what a blueprint is. Okay. I'm going to accept that. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you helping me with that. But see, that's the way it is. I can't even roll it up. <laughs> but how many of you feel like you're in your life? And God has a blueprint, but you don't know how to read it. You don't know what you're going through. Why? I got these kids, and they're going to school, and I got this job, and I want to change my occupation, and the, the house is, is falling apart. I, all these things. Where does God want you to be? Well, there's a blueprint. It's called the Bible. Amen? Amen? And you get in there. And you read, he starts speaking to you, he starts correcting you on the inside, starts directing you in the way you're supposed to go, and voila, all of a sudden you can look back and say, oh, it was the Lord who was on my side. It was the Lord that was directing me. Well, maybe this will help you out. Let's look at the, well, it's not up there, the plans. Here, here's the definition of plans. It's his work, his purpose, his imagination, his cunningly devised plots to make you and put you where you're supposed to be. That's the blueprint. And God's working it out. Isn't that what Joseph told his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God is turning it around for good. So he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you know, God's working in your life even before you even knew him, before you even got to the place of salvation. He knew our days, they were numbered even before we had them. Did you know that? I'm thinking of a time when I was going to college, young, ripe age of 20. <laughs> 1970. <laughs> 
Some of you weren't even born yet in this area right in here. And so I was going to school, and uh, we had the Vietnam War, if you guys remember that. And people were going over there and getting killed. And, you know, they, they couldn't find enough men, so they said, we're going to draft you all. All you young men coming out of college, we're going to put you in the draft. And the way that worked was you would, uh, they put your, your birth date in a little, you know, ping pong shooter, and they would pick out uh, a ping pong, and whatever birth date was on there, that's the number that you were in the draft. You know, like November 6th would be one, and October 3rd would be two. So they, they would have a drawing. And so I go, oh, this is interesting. I know the Lord is going to put me way down at the bottom, 365 or whatever. That way, I wouldn't have any problem. I'll be out of the draft. So I go home and sit down. And before we, they even hardly start, November 22nd, number nine. I went, oh, my God, number nine. <laughs> How am I going to get out of this, number nine? Because I knew I'm no good in, in Army combat, okay? I am not... <laughs> that good. I mean, when we were growing up, when we would play, when we'd shoot, we didn't have guns. We had our hand. We had a handgun. I got you. And then if we had a rifle, we had two. And, and we'd run around in the neighborhood, hide behind the houses and play, you know, cowboys and Indians and army. And I got you. No, you didn't get me. Yes, we got you. I knew if I went into the army, it'd be over. Like one week, it'd be like, ship them back. Sorry. You know, they got them. So <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm going, and have you ever been in a place where you know the Lord doesn't want you to go? And you figure he should do it a certain way, and he doesn't. And you just have to sit there and wait on the Lord. And so I'm sitting with my friend, his, my neighbor, and it's uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve, and we're watching TV, and his mother walks in, and she hardly ever talks to me. She goes, oh, did you hear on the news that um, the draft, they're having a change in it, and if you drop your student deferment before the end of the year, then you don't have to go in the Army? I go, What? Why didn't you tell me sooner? I thought you knew. <laughs> but you know what? I found out that when you're friendly with everybody, they think about you. God puts, it on, puts you on their heart. So she came in and told me at 8 o'clock, he says, but the only problem is you have to drop it before the end of the year. You have to get it postmarked. And so I said, okay, what do I do? So I looked, up, looked it up, found out what I was supposed to say, got it all authorized and everything, and then I was going to take it to get a postmark. Does anybody know where you can get a postmark at 10 o'clock at night on New Year's Eve? Anybody? You guys weren't trying hard enough. I found the airport has a post office that does it every hour on the hour. I said, oh, I got to get there. <laughs> so I got there and I got my letter postmarked. I think it was 1035 or something like that. And so I was out of the draft. Praise the Lord. God took care of me. But... Fast forward 10 years later, after I made a mess of my life, <laughs> after I decided, you know, Lord, I can't keep my promises. I used to make that promise. Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. You ever, you ever say that? You ever pray that? Well, he always came through with his promises, but I never came through with mine. Finally, I said, Lord, forget it, okay? I'm just going to live full out. And so we went on the Hollywood scene, me and my friend, and we were, we were doing a roller skating event, and we met all the stars, and Alice Cooper, and uh, the Fonz, Henry Winkler, and uh, a couple of 
you know, sports guys. And so we were living high on the hog. And all of a sudden, everything just come crashing down. That's the way the devil does. You know, he just gets you floating up high. You, you know what it's like, right? Uh, Sister Love, <laughs> Ivory. Yes. Oh, she, oh, she's denying it. Okay. Now, I, I don't know what you're talking about. No. She used to sing for Smokey Robinson. I know what they, they do, the party scene and all that stuff, and people get so high and so thinking about, oh, well, I'm going to be rich and famous and all that stuff, and you come crashing down. So I came crashing down at 30 years old, and I said, oh, what am I going to do now? I, could, I lost my house, all the money I had in my investments. I had nothing left. I said, I only have two choices. Go into the service, the Army or the Navy, or go live with my parents. And living with my parents was like living in the Army. But I said, I'm going to go to the Army. So I go, I sign up, and I tell them, okay, I give up, okay? I don't have a place to stay. don't have any food. Can you feed me? Shelter me? I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> I go, can you guarantee me that I won't be in combat? Just, son, this is the army, okay? We can't guarantee you. Because I wanted to be in the, uh, you know, uh, an officer. And so they said, okay, well, you, you can sign up for just regular. Because to be signed for an officer, you have to go in for four years. I go, okay, I take the two years. So I signed up. And he said, you just have to take this simple test. Simple English and math test. No problem. Bring it. So I take the test. I come back a week later, and they go, well, I sat down. And he goes, well, it's an amazing thing. You did so wonderfully on the English test. You did high, high scores, but you flunked math. I go, flunked math? I'm a, high, I'm a college graduate. I took calculus, trigonometry, uh, geometry, algebra one, two, and three. What are you talking about I flunked math? The only thing I can think of is like I missed one of the lines and, and, and put the, you know, the... Um, the wrong bubble, you know. I must have missed a whole line or something. But I said, well, can I take it over again? I go, no, you can't take it over again. I go, you got to be kidding me. I can't even go in the army. <laughs> but God was looking out after me. When I didn't want to go in, he wouldn't let me go in. And when I wanted to go in, he wouldn't let me go in. So I went into uh, the Canizero camp at mom's and dad's house. And, you know, yes, mom. <laughs> I had curfew, I had everything. <laughs> so, but praise God, I got a beautiful job. Went into the ministry, met a beautiful wife. And here I am today. So God knew the blueprint of my life and my plan. Yes. He knew where he was taking me. Let's look at Psalms 139. 13 through 15. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that word wonderfully made means made for a purpose. Not just made to be left out on the shelf somewhere, just floating in creation. No, God says he, he's created you for a purpose. And I used to think, how can that be? There's so many people in this world. But then I started looking at his creation and everything that, is, uh, that he has made has an order and a purpose to it, right? All the planets have a schedule that they adhere to. The earth rotates around the sun at, are you ready for this? 67,000 miles per hour that we're moving <laughs> around the sun. And in addition to that, we're spinning at how, how fast? 1,040 miles per hour. And yet, I can just 
be still. How does that work? God said, I just, you know, I just do stuff, you know? <laughs> there was one little girl that said, Lord, is there, is there life on other planets? And he said, no, there's not life on other planets. He said, well, she, she asked him, well, why did you make all these planets? Why did you go through the trouble of doing this? And he said, what trouble? <laughs> he, he just spoke it, and it's in existence. It's still going on. He numbers, uh, not only numbers the stars, he calls the stars by, their, by a name. He has a name for the billions of stars. Um, he asked Job, where is frost stored? And who directs lightning in its path? All the animals operate in the created function that they're supposed to. The photosynthesis with the flowers. All these exact functionings of the human body where all the muscles, the ligaments, and the joints are in perfect working order. Your brain tells your, uh, your eyes tell your brain, move your hand this way, and all the, the nerve endings move out. How does that work? God, in his infinite mercy, infinite wisdom, created all these things. Do you think he just left you as a spare part? You know, like we make, you know, like we make bicycles, and we have these spare parts, and we don't know how to put them in, and the bike's running, so he's like, what? Oh well, he doesn't throw you out. He's got a plan and a purpose for us. So the definition, let's, if I finish this, it says, uh, "I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought." in the lower parts of the earth. That's pretty nice, huh? Let's look at the next one. Your, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and you in your book, they are all were written in the days fashioned for me, yet as, uh, when as yet there were none of them. So what's he saying? He's saying, I framed you, I made you. I framed your body, I framed your spirit, I framed your emotional uh, being, I, I framed your mental capacity. I framed all this for a purpose, that he's called you for a purpose. Praise the Lord. And so we have to follow the script. But some of us don't follow the script. Did you know that? Some of us are here, lost 10, 20 years of not following the script. You know, my, my dad used to be a, a wrestler, and uh, I used to watch uh, the, uh, the wrestling, before it was WFC wrestling, I don't know what it was called, it was Saturday night wrestling, Friday night wrestling, and all these guys were throwing each other back and forth up against the ring, jumping on each other, landing on each other, and I used to think that, oh man, that's so good, and my dad said, ah, that's fake. I said, What? He said, that's fake. That was the biggest surprise to me as, uh, compared to not being a Santa. When I heard that, that was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. And then he said, what do you mean, wrestling is fake? He goes, yeah, it's fake. I go, what about roller skating? Oh, that's fake. I go, F <laughs> I go, well, how do you know? He says, I used to be a referee, he said, as a wrestler. And I would referee these fights, and they would have a script. They would go and they practice, okay, I'm gonna hit you in the eye, ping, and you come back, and I'm gonna jump on you. He says, but once, once in a while, if they messed up and they hit the guy wrong or they caused him to get angry, they'd throw the script out. <laughs> and they start doing their own thing. And you never knew where it was gonna end up. And that's the way it is with God. He wants us to follow the script. Find out where he's going, 
Walk alongside of him and just allow him to direct your path. Amen? Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were what? Framed. 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 Let me give you the definition of framed. It means to fit out, to equip, put in order, arrange, or adjust, to mend what was broken or to repair something. You know, in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse 2, it says, and the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the earth. Well, doesn't that seem not right? How could God create the world and all of a sudden there's darkness and void? Well, most theologians think that there's a gap theory in there, that something happened in between there, that there was a uh, destroying of the earth before God recreated it. So that's what this says. The worlds were framed, recreated, repaired to mend that which was broken. You ever had anything that was broken in your life? You need God to come along and fix it? Because see, you know what? Your yesterday doesn't have to be your tomorrow. What you went through doesn't have to be who you are. You can change and adapt and change yourself because it says right here, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God was your God of yesterday. He was watching you when you were messing up. He was helping you, trying to get you out of it, get you to the place where you're supposed to be. He's the God of today. He wants to work in your life now, and he's going to be the God of your future. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten the plans that he has for you. So you have to cast those things aside and say, okay, Lord, which way do you want me to go? Show me the way I am supposed to go. Turn it around for my good. You know, I have a, a, a theology class. It's called Leadership Theology, and they were talking about debilitating, debilitating issues in leaders. You know, things that they, leaders do that cause them to lose their ministry. Fallen leaders. And so we have, a, we have class online, and we're supposed to write to each other and give each other uh, samples of our, what we're talking about and use illustrations that we've been reading. So I have a couple people that I tell them, I go, listen, <laughs> offline in my private email, I said, <laughs> don't be giving me these convoluted questions, okay? All these questions, these complicated questions that have like multiple answers. Just give me one easy question that I can answer. And in softball terms, they said, just give me a nice, easy pitch, okay? Don't be trying to be so smart. Just tell me easy what, you know, you want me to say. They go, got it. <laughs> so, uh, and then sometimes we, 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 show, we, we tell each other, this is what I'm going to ask you. Is this, is this okay? So, we're talking about following leaders. And so this is what I, I, I send to her. And I, I was trying to give her a nice, easy pitch. Okay, it says, have you ever found yourself slipping and not nurturing your interior life? That's what they call it. What signs do you notice in yourself and how do you keep yourself on track? Just very, I thought she'd say, well, you know, sometimes I have a thought and sometimes maybe I have a desire and I ask the Lord and he helps me. I thought, nice, easy, simple you know, polite answer. But here's how she answers this. I, I was like so shocked. I says, she said, I came to my faith young in my life, and I was immediately married, so physical temptation had not been a part of my Christian walk. My husband passed away, though, after 15 years of marriage, and so I was a widow. I found myself in a vulnerable state. I had not anticipated the ways the enemy would tempt me, nor whom the temptation would come from. 
At that time, I was a missionary, and I signed a moral contract, which added to my desire to remain steadfast to the Lord. When I began to date, and that's a questionable thing right there, I would explain how my body belonged to God and shockingly discovered that men who professed Christ were surprisingly unwilling to honor my commitment. What a surprise. <laughs> this, I got more than I could handle with this one. You know, I'm going like, where's this thing going? I don't, you, didn't, you didn't have to be like, you know, Phil Donahue on me. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> she goes on. After a moral failure, I actually appointed a counsel for myself during widowhood of two couples that I submitted myself to, and for one year, I did not make any decisions without their consent. All my thoughts, calendar, finances, whereabouts were fully disclosed. I actually lived for two years as an adult woman with a curfew of, two, of 10 p.m. Huh. Are you listening? <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> Today, and she's married, I continue to remain in transparent relationships with the trusted few in whom I remain accountable. I continually scrutinize my thought life my, with vigor, which helps me more easily recognize when errant thoughts arise, and I practice taking each thought captive, arresting them before they commit crimes against me or give birth to sin. I said, holy cow. I was so embarrassed. You put that on, on, the, on the posting? And she wasn't ashamed to do it because she said, I'm not going to let my past take me down. I'm going to find a way to uh, self-submit myself and protect myself, bring you know, barricades against me so that I know I'm not going to do that again. She recognized a little deficiency in her, her little seeds of sin nature. Isn't that what Paul said? I buffet my body. At least I preach the gospel and I'd be a castaway. He said, I know that there's temptations out there. Why pretend like there's not? And so we have to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But see, we don't like to look at our past. It's, it's got pain, it's got sorrow, it's got hurts, it's got things that we don't want to remember. But God can cleanse us and heal us of all those things. Amen? Amen? But look at, I mean, David's sin. You know, in one re respect, I kind of feel sorry for him because here his, he sinned with Bathsheba, being this great man of God, you know. Search me, O Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me and all this stuff. My heart is, is fixed, trusting in you, all this stuff. And then he sins with Bathsheba, and everybody knows about it. Not only in the kingdom, but we're reading about it for generations to come. People, you get saved. Did you hear about King David? Oh, yeah, he fell. Let me see what happened. Oh, how could he do that? Crazy, crazy guy. You say, oh yeah, you know, that's David. But what if we put all your sins up there on the screen, you know, all your thoughts that you had during the week and all the times that you, you know, went astray right up there, you know, with your name on them. How would you like that? No, so I feel sorry for David. <laughs> feel sorry for him when you get there, okay? I feel so sorry for Abraham who lied and, you know, everybody knows about it. Noah got drunk. Jacob ran away uh, from his, uh, his brother. So the Bible says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not 
Harden your hearts. I think that's the next scripture here. I think that's the next one. No, okay, one more. Today. What's God saying? Let's talk about today. Forget about yesterday. You know, that's in the past. I can work with you. But now today, if you hear his voice. In other words, what is he telling you today? Today he's saying, you know, live for me. Love me. Fall in love with me. Worship me. You know, I, 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 I emailed um, Isaac because <clears throat> I was studying the Bible. And remember when the devil tried to tempt Satan? I mean, the devil, Satan tried to tempt Jesus. He said, fall down and worship me. But notice it said, fall down and worship me. So there's an act that has to take place in worship. You don't just sing, oh, I'm worshiping the Lord. No, fall down, bow, you know, bow your heads, bow your knees, you know, worship the Lord, kneel before him. It's an active part that we have to play to get into the presence of the Lord, to have him overtake us and let him be a part of our lives. So he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Don't, don't resist him. He wants to get into your life and, 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 and penetrate those situations that you're, fa you're facing. You know, I can remember when I went into a, a when I first got saved and uh, I went to a church, I asked the Lord, Lord, send me to a church where I, that you want me to be. And so he sent me to this church and, you know, I went there, felt like home, felt good to me. You know, I felt the spirit was telling me this is where I'm supposed to go. But then, you know, me being me, I just want to, well, you know, just chill out for a while and found out myself kind of slipping back into sin. So I said, okay, you know what, Lord, I better get back to church. I better find a place where I can go. So could you show me a place? I'm going to look around. He says, what do you need to look around for? I showed you a place. That's where I want you to go. Stern. Just, just like, just like, just like, like, huh. Okay, all right, right. Plan for me. He knew where he wanted me to be. The Bible says we're fitly framed together in the Lord. He, he, wants, he wants to position me. And the reason why is because I work for uh, Huntington Beach Community Clinic, and they were 100 and... $30,000 in whole, and we got, out in we got out in a year's time. So then when I went to the new church, where I went to the place where I was supposed to be, I found out they were $120,000 in whole. And he put me in charge of getting them out of debt. I was the man that he wanted. He had prepared me even when, before I was saved so that he could see that it's possible. So when I came believing in him, he and I worked it out completely. So he, he doesn't lose anything in where we have been, but he wants to take us where we're going. What about Moses? So what I'm saying is, I know the Lord, when you start crossing him and start trying to do things in your own way, and he has a plan for you, he's going to let you know. He's very stern about it. You know, Moses, remember when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush? He said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of Egypt. And Moses had three excuses. Remember what they were? Who am I that I should go? I've just been on the backside of the mountain here for 40 years. Then he said, well, what if they don't believe me? Who should I say sent me? And then finally he said, but I don't talk too good. You know, I got the stutter problem and everything. So, you know, don't use me. And the Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he caused him to start to die. He had this, let me see what the, it says here. Uh, the Lord sought to kill him, making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons. 
He was going to kill his own man. Why? He wasn't following the procedure. He wasn't following the script that he was supposed to follow. It gets pretty serious. The father up you get in the Lord and the things that he wants you to do, he watches over you. So this, this, this part here where it says, um, uh, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's referring to the children of Israel who didn't believe God's promise that they could take the promised land. They said, well, we don't know if God is able. And God said, you don't think I'm able, huh? <laughs> well, boys and girls, you're going to be walking around this desert for a mighty long time. <laughs> 40 years. Do you want to be walking around for 40 years? Or better just say, okay, Lord, I, I believe you. I trust in you. I hear your voice. And I'm going to obey it and follow the script that you have for me. Amen? The last scripture says in Ephesians, oh, one more. Well, if I mention that, it says, when you don't, harden, when you don't uh, hearken to the Lord, it hardens your heart. It, you have a less resistance to want to hear him and have him move in your behalf because you're not listening to him. You know what I mean? It's hard for him to get through. Okay, so the last scripture is in Ephesians 2.10. They're, they're trying to get it. I'll read it. The, the, the computer sometimes um, jams. Okay, so it says Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has what? Prepared prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. He's already prepared him for us. And the Bible says that word workmanship means, it comes from the word poema. It means poem. We didn't have any rhyme or reason in our life. We were wandering around wondering what in the world we're going to do. Where are we supposed to be in this place called earth? Does God have a plan for me? And God says, I'm going to make your life a poem that is going to rhyme. It's going to have reason. It's going to have a purpose. It's going to have a, a, a poignant uh, uh, message to people around you. People are going to stand back and go like, I see what they did. Like for me, when I did the example of my father, my, actually my son helped me tremendously on that and, and brought him to church. Darlene said, I see the script. I see the plan. I'm not going to listen to what my father said. I'm not going to, you know, do that, but I'm going to hearken to the voice of the Lord. And I'm going to use that as a testimony and as an example. So let your life be an example. God wants to use you in a way that he can build a future for you and for those around you. So if, that, if that's you today and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm not on script. I'm not on point. I'm not in the, the purpose that you've called me to do. Maybe I'm not dedicating my life as much. Maybe I'm not serving you as well as I should. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Praise the Lord. I see those hands. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, I can see that you're serious about the Lord because, you know, we just live this life a, a, a few years compared to eternity. And it's a testing place where God wants to use us. So, Let's everybody repeat after me. Say, Father God, Father God I know you have a plan for my life. I ask you to reveal that to me. Let it come alive in my heart so I, I may follow you 
and serve you all the days of my life so that when I see you, you can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I need your help, Lord. Guide and direct me in the ways that I'm supposed to go. And for this I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.